Thank you, Nick and Emily, so much. It's good for God's people to be together, and uh, I'm excited to see your face in real life and not just your, your pictures. In 2004, Duke University Hospitals in Raleigh, Durham, made a monumental mistake. Sometime in November 2004, uh, the maintenance workers drained the hydraulic oil from all of the elevators and put them in drums. But they for, either they forgot or somehow they didn't remove the drums of hydraulic oil. And in some way, through a series of events, those drums were shipped to the people that sterilize all the surgical instruments. This is a true story. It took two months and 3,800 surgeries before they discovered their error. Washing surgical instruments in hydraulic fluid was not intended to be a means of sterilization. When the hospital discovered their error, they, they decided they wanted to contact all of the patients affected. And one of the first things that was publicly stated is, we want to give people the message that we care about all of our patients. But the message that was sent was more like, if you cared, why weren't you careful about sanitizing all of your surgical instruments? Likewise, sometimes Christ followers say they care about people, that they love people. But the way they speak sometimes actually causes them harm instead of helping and bringing benefit to them. They are, in fact, sometimes a danger to people. Sometimes we are a danger to people with the way we speak. Today we're going to go back to that question, uh, what about our uh, freedom of speech? You know, this is an important time in the history of, of, of the United States. Uh, we are in a high-stress time with COVID. We are in a high-stress time with politics. Um, we are in a high-stress time with the economy and job situations. And there are millions, literally millions of opinions about what we should do and who's right and who's wrong. We are blessed with freedom in this country. We have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and freedom to peacefully assemble and petition our government. You know, that's, this is amazing that we have these freedoms. Now, last time... Um, when we, when we talked about this question, what about our freedom of speech? We said our freedom, has, our freedom of speech has limitations. Um, U.S. law does not permit freedom, for example, for libel or slander. Um, we are not free to incite people to violence. Um, God also has limitations on our free speech. And we talked about this last time. Uh, we are not free to misuse his name or his reputation in any way. We are not free, in spite of what some people think, 
to use obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4. Also, we talk about how our freedom of speech can be life-giving. Uh, it can promote instruction, Proverbs 16.23. Our words can promote healing, Proverbs 12.18. Our speech has the power of life and death, Proverbs 18.21. Our speech can even promote justice. And that seems to be one of the biggest things that we are concerned about in this day and age is justice. We don't like when people treat us unjustly. Also, our freedom of speech needs instruction. And I think this is because um, I have, we don't ever stop learning, I don't think, about our speech. We don't ever stop learning, and I don't ever stop learning about when to speak and when not to speak. I often speak at the wrong time in the wrong way. Um, I'm still learning how to answer. I'm still learning what is helpful and what is hurtful. And this is really crucial for our kids to learn about our, our speech. The Proverbs are loaded with instruction about the impact of our speech for good and for harm. And we, we, we should be embracing what the Proverbs teach, and we should be passing it on to our kids. When we got to the end of part one um, a few weeks back, I asked, I asked everyone to make a commitment with me about our speech. And uh, Psalm 141, verse 3, was a prayer. And the psalmist writes, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And then some of you remember we actually had a picture of a muzzle over someone's mouth. Uh, but that's a, that's a prayer. It, it, is that what we want? We want God to be in charge of our speech. Psalm, or Psalm 19.14, a uh, well-known psalm, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So question for us, is this the desire of, of your heart that your words, my words, be pleasing in God's sight. So the passage I want to look at today uh, is uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. And, you know, by way of reminder, if you do your apps, there's a complete outline there. All the scripture is there. And uh, for some people, it's helpful to follow uh, that way. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 um, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in God, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So, if you're following me on the outline of verse 29 and 30, our words should build others up, not tear them down. Pretty straightforward. Our words, our speech, should build other people up, 
Our focus should not be to tear people down. Words can have a positive impact or they can have a negative impact. They can be destructive or they can be destructive. They can help people or they can hurt people. Verse 29, our speech is to be wholesome. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Our words should be wholesome. Good for emotional and physical health. Good for moral and spiritual health, most importantly. Our speech is to be beneficial to others. It's to be honorable, nourishing to the soul, and respectful. But Paul writes, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What is unwholesome talk? Uh, the word used for unwholesome is a word used for rotten food. It's a, it's a word used for spoiled meat. It's rancid. It's putrid. It's something that stinks. Our words often have a bigger impact than we think or intend. We don't learn unwholesome words from Jesus. We learn them from our culture. And sadly, we often learn some of those words from our own families. Proverbs 8, verse 13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride. This is God speaking. I hate pride and arrogance evil behavior and perverse speech, unwholesome speech. God hates unwholesome, perverse speech, even if we don't. Proverbs twelve eighteen: the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Our words, when we sometimes are emotionally charged, they can be reckless. We don't always think clearly. We just often say impulsively, what comes to mind. And we often do it with great intensity. Um, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. We can hurt people deeply. I bet you can think about something that's been said to you in your lifetime. Could have been an employer. Could have been a parent growing up. Could have been somebody at school where what they said just cut you deeply and you still haven't forgotten it. Words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Words have the power to be positive or the power to be negative, the power to be constructive or destructive. Also, verse uh, 29, our speech is to be beneficial to others. And don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What is helpful to others requires some thought. So it's not always impulsive reaction to people. Uh, it requires careful thinking. We do have freedom of speech. But our words don't always help others. What helps others? Things like encouragement, appreciation, expression of thankfulness uh, to people. Sometimes uh, people need gentle instruction, and it's true. Sometimes people need confrontation. They, we need to speak the truth in love. 
But do our words help others become better Christ followers? Those who don't know Christ yet, do our words help and our attitudes, do they help point people to who Christ is? Do we, do we have an attractive lifestyle as we live before people who don't know Jesus yet? And who are the people listening to our words? Well, might be our kids, might be our co-workers, might be our spouse. What kind of impact does that have? It might be our next door neighbor. Sometimes we, we may have the opportunity to speak in a public forum. And how well do we represent Christ when we do? We sure can. Proverbs 16, 24. We talk about words that help others. Gracious words are a honeycomb, honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Gracious words. Gracious words are wholesome words. They help others. They build others up. They are not focused on criticism. And verse 30, maybe the most important one, to look at here. Ephesians 4.30, our speech should not bring pain to God's heart because sometimes it does. And the Apostle Paul writes, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Sometimes the way we talk, sometimes our attitudes, our word choice, the emotions in our words, sometimes they bring great pain to God. Now think about this. When you placed your faith in Christ, part of the gift of your salvation was that God sent the Holy Spirit to live in you, to indwell you, to empower you. He gave you the greatest resource to live for Christ. The greatest resource to impact your world. The Holy Spirit. And He is in you. And the, the passage says you're sealed until the day of redemption. God has a mark on your life. It's eternally solid until the day of redemption. When Jesus returns and raises your body from the grave and your soul is reunited with your, your physical body raised from the grave. When Jesus returns and He ushers in His kingdom you're sealed. You're marked. Now think about this. The Holy Spirit lives in you. How does He feel when He's there to be your resource and you are uh, lashing out at people? When you are so angry? When you are you know, criticizing and putting people down? And it just causes Him pain. I think it causes Him a whole lot more pain than you ever dreamed of. Verses 31 and 32, our words should reflect Christ's attitudes and actions. Not our culture's attitudes and actions, because that's often what we reflect the most. Our culture's attitudes and actions. Who is your standard of speech? And what is your standard of speech? Verse 31, eliminate negative attitudes and behavior. Now, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus said... Our speech reflects what our heart is like. Our words reflect what's really in our hearts, what we, who we are really deep down. 
Verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. So some things we need to eliminate. And you've got to think about this. You have to reflect on this and evaluate this. Get rid of all bitterness. Um, some things should just turn on a red warning light on your spiritual dashboard. Things that you say that are inappropriate. Like bitterness. That's when anger settles in and camps out. When anger goes underground, bitterness is an infected soul. Rage and anger. This is not just the emotion of anger, but this is an an outburst of anger. It's uncontrolled anger. It's an explosion of words. Brawling. That's when anger turns to violence, and it sometimes does. But this word for brawling also refers to arguing and raising your voice and yelling in an argumentative style. Slander is speaking dishonestly about others, speaking to put others in a bad light, not representing the truth accurately, even though it might be partially true. And then every form of malice, it's just here a catch-all. It refers to evil intentions that, that cause harm to someone else, to, to, ca- to bring a loss to someone else, to promote self at the expense of others. It's self-centered and self-focused speech. In God's eyes, unwholesome speech is putrid. It, in in his presence. Verse 32, the last verse, seek to reflect Christ in our attitudes and behaviors and not so much our culture. Evaluate what you see in our culture in light of God's word. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is what reflects Jesus. Kindness, compassionate, and the ability to forgive. To to forgive people who might disagree with you. Be kind is to be gentle toward others with your speech. Be gracious, not critical. Be kind and not skeptical. Be compassionate. Be tenderhearted, not hardhearted. Don't be callous. Let Christ work through you. Be forgiving. The world we live in is not fair. I, I, I know I didn't have to tell you that. God is ultimately going to bring justice. In fact, in, in uh, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says to, to lead room for God's revenge. He's going to take care of um, justice for us. Christ followers are to be like Jesus, and we are to forgive our enemies. We don't like that. We are to forgive our enemies. We are to forgive those who offend us. We are to forgive those who hurt us. We are to forgive those who are unkind to us, who are harsh. We are to forgive those people who are foolish. We are to forgive those people who sin against us. Because that's what Jesus did. We are to be like Jesus. 
There's going to be lots of opportunities. People are going to offend us. We're going to disagree with people. We, we have those headlines every day. Things that we agree with and things that we don't agree with. And we hear it at work. Um, we see it in the news feed. It's just, and we don't have to engage and be destructive and unwholesome with how we talk about those things. Lastly, be committed. Be committed continually to honor God with your speech. Just a reminder, Psalm 19, verse 14. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In a recent book, Levi Lusco observes that it takes 72 different muscles to produce speech. On the average, uh, you speak about 16,000 words a day. Now, I know a lot of you aren't average. I know the guys aren't average. I once heard that women speak 30,000 words a day and guys speak 5,000 words a day. I feel that's a little more, but 16 is average. The average American will speak 860 million words in their lifetime. And what does all those nouns and verbs and adjectives and sentences say about us? What do our words say about our heart? You know, we have the power to help others and to benefit others, and we have the power to hurt others. And we are most free when we honor God with our speech. Now, when you think about this, if you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christ follower, God has forgiven you. We like that. And God wants us to forgive other people. Today, we're going to celebrate communion. And that's the greatest reminder in our salvation that we have been forgiven of sin. Jesus died for our... We don't have to take... We don't take the death we deserved. We don't receive the condemnation that we deserve because of what Jesus has done for us. And today we get to reflect on that. We get to be reminded about that. And I hope that has an impact on our speech as well for the great cost of what He has done and the model and the resources he's given us. So we're going to take some time, and if you um, received the uh, sealed communion when you came in, we're going to take this time together. So um, the bread is a symbol of the body of Christ. It's not the body of Christ. It is a symbol. It's a metaphorical communication. And it's to, you know, for over 2,000 years, we've had to be reminded about this. And we were to stop and to think, not just go through the motions and say we did it, but to remember, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve the gift of my salvation. And Jesus paid it all. God gave everything for us, and He wants us to give back to Him, to give our lives back to Him.
Can we give our speech back to him? So let me just stop and pray. I've made the assumption we are to examine our own lives. That's on us. You don't have to go before anybody else to be examined. But if there's anything you need to confess to God, just take this time to do that. And so let's just pause in prayer. Gracious God, I want to thank you um, that Jesus died in our place. I thank you that we have the privilege to share communion today as we are gathered together as a body. We are reminded that you have called us to examine our own lives as Christ followers. And if there's anything that, um, is, is, that dishonors you, if there's sin that we need to confess, may we just openly and honestly and privately before you do that, to share our hearts, to ask you for forgiveness. Then, God, we're so thankful that you have given a promise in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you that we can come before you right now with a pure heart. And then, God, I want to thank you for the bread that represents the body of Jesus Christ. We are reminded the cost of our salvation. We are reminded that Jesus was nailed to the cross and he experienced death for us. He took our place. Thank you for the bread. Amen. So let's uh, open the top seal and take out the bread. This is the bread that represents the body of Christ. Let's uh, remember him together. Let me pray for the cup. And so, God, I just uh, give you thanks now for the cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. We do this because Jesus commanded this to his disciples. We do this because the disciples commanded this to the church. And here we are 2,000 years later. We do not want to forget the most central thing to our faith, who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Thank you for the cup that represents his blood. Amen. So let's remove the seal if you haven't already. This cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's remember him together. Scripture says, for often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, that's good news. Because the gospel is Jesus died for us. And um, not only are we to share that good news, 
And we, by the way, we do that with our speech. We do it with our actions as well. We do it with words. And um, may our words be good news as, as we seek to live one day at a time for Jesus. So good to be together. Thank you so much for coming. In two weeks, we're going to be right over there at the Oak Pavilion. Next week, we're going to be online. So back to the studios. And then uh, look at the Summer Connections. We've had a great opportunity for different ways for people to connect. So God bless you all. We're dismissed.